0: Welcome back to Denis 2049. If if you have just recently joined us here on the island, you might not be familiar with our previous work on the Foxworthy podcast, but we've left the old Denis 2049 feed in here, and basically all we've done is gone through the Denis Villeneuve movies in advance of Blade Runner 2049 and watched all of them and broke them all down, French or English or, or whatever. We got it all here. It's all here. There's all written stuff on the website which is now on theislandpodcast.com, we will definitely keep all this stuff around so that whenever you feel like firing up a Denis Villeneuve movie, arguably the greatest working director currently, you can go back and listen to our analysis and hot takes and opinions and thoughts and whatever else. So if you haven't listened before, that's all that is. If you have listened before, we're finally here. Blade Runner 2049, Sam finally saw it, I finally saw it, I mean, I saw it the first week, I guess, but I wanted to see it a second time to make sure we could get into everything here, although, uh, and I'll introduce you in a second, but we're not going to get too deep on the plot, I guess.
1: No, <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> too
0: too difficult, who cares? Anyway, yeah. Blade Runner 2049 is great, and... We're going to talk about it, so spoilers, I guess. I mean, uh, yeah. who cares, but we'll, we'll talk about stuff if we want to. Anything, spoil anything and spoil everything stuff. is on the table. That's what we've decided. Yeah. So let me introduce my co-host. After this, you will never hear from him again. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, he's been getting along fine without a soul until now. It's Sam Hensel.
1: Hello. <laughs> it's me. I'm out in Vegas listening to old Elvis holograms, drinking old whiskey, quoting Treasure Island, living the dream. Does he quote Treasure Island? Yeah, there's something, when he first meets Ryan Gosling, the first thing he says is, like, do you have cheese or something? And then Ryan Gosling's like, oh, are you talking about Treasure Island? And he's like, oh, you've heard of it? Let me make sure that's right. That's how I heard it. I have not verified that at all. (laughs) I hope it's right. I haven't read the book.
0: Question mark? Is it a I've book? Seen
1: the, I've seen the movie Treasure Planet. Uh,
0: who hasn't? Anyone born 1993 or later? <laughs>
1: yeah, seriously. <laughs> anyway, someone someone can tweet me if they if they if they figure it out. Since you're such a frequent Twitter user. I actually deleted my Twitter recently. Oh wow. I just got so it would be like I deleted it from my phone, and then I would just at work I would be like oh, I can just go on my computer, and then I would go and spend way too much time on it. So I just thought, you know what? I'm out of here. I retired my Twitter account. Much like. Agent K retires some replicants in this movie. Can we talk about what the word Blade Runner means? Yeah, I haven't figured that out yet.
0: Did they explain it? I don't think so, but I recently just kind of started thinking about it. I was looking at the title and I was like, wait a second, whose blades? And who's running? I, I don't understand. It actually doesn't make any sense.
1: No. Like a runner. What's a runner? <laughs> like a drug to... runner? I don't I know. Like a, yeah, like a drug runner. So they take drugs from one place to another. Blade Runners take blades from one place to another. <laughs> to kill people. We're off to a hot start. Anyway, yeah.
0: Blade Runner 2049, Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, all the other people we talked about on the last podcast when we broke down the old Blade Runner film. They're all here, and it's all it's all bathed in whatever color you can possibly imagine and colors <laughs> you have not yet imagined what did you think just give me like a, a quick reaction just what did you think of this movie
1: my first reaction when I saw it in IMAX and I have not seen a movie in IMAX I don't think ever before. never and I had not re- I didn't realize I hadn't ever seen a movie in IMAX until I saw you're
0: talking it. IMAX with, with like the dome IMAX. where you like look up and yeah, it's all I around see,
1: you yeah you have to like lay on your back and my first thought was holy crap this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life and then there are some thoughts that are like, this is kind of boring. It's fine. It's pretty good. I get it. They're robots, but maybe they have souls. I get it. <laughs> and then other parts, I'm like, man, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on a screen. So I, it's very mixed.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll, we can talk about this more, but I was just impressed by the, I guess, artistic courage to, like, make a movie yeah. this slow for mass consumption. Right. And not only slow, but, like, long. It's a slow... Yes. Two hour forty four minute movie.
1: Yeah, it's a two forty four that feels
0: like three (laughs) oh six. I was gonna say it feels every second of two forty four. But at the same time, like you said, it's kind of amazing at many points during it. Mm -hmm. But as people might know, didn't do that well in the box office. Really, it costs according to reports, uh, $150 million, and that's after tax credits, so I guess technically it must have cost more than that, right? Just on paper, but... Sure, yeah. You know, $150 million budget, it made $31.5 million on the first weekend. For reference, I think Thor made like $120 million this weekend when we're recording this, and it just came out, so not great, but... To date, now that it's been out for a month, it's made $85,456,130 total, which is 27th this year out of all American-released movies, I guess. So, well, let me give you what it's next to.
1: Well, that weekend it came out, it did beat My Little Pony the movie, which also premiered that weekend (laughs) by $24 million. Man, My Little Pony made $8 million. Yeah, so it's currently
0: 27th, which is... Just above Power Rangers, The Mummy, The Hitman's Bodyguard, and Alien Covenant. And just below, the Emoji Movie, John Wick Oof. Chapter 2, fair. Kingsman, The Golden Circle, Annabelle Creation, and Baby Driver. It's, it didn't do poorly, I guess, for how much it costs, maybe it did. But it's also... Yeah already made 154 million dollars internationally so
1: but it did cost 150 million right
0: right but when you add up the 85 domestic and the 155 or 154 international oh, just
1: internationally okay
0: yeah you're already up to 240 or so so got, like yeah they got paid for their work that's the long and short of it well the thing that i mean were, the only, only money reason paid. money would concern me is like i want movies like this to keep getting made yeah yeah and i hope that It's bad first couple of weeks or whatever would not keep that from happening. Right.
1: I agree. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also, yeah, it's also indicative of how, like, who are people seeing this movie, too. So it's good that people are seeing it, even if they're not Americans. Yeah. People exist outside of this country, but apparently they're watching Blade Runner. (laughs) Why do you think this movie... It has a French, it has like a European French kind of vibe to it where they like to sit and Are you asking why it did well in Europe and not in America?
0: Well, yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, I was just gonna say, why do you think it's sort of a tough sell in the box office?
1: Well, the two for the two hours and forty three minutes is the biggest tough sell, probably. Yeah. Anyone that's like like making a, a game time decision to go see a movie is gonna look at that and say, uh, maybe we'll go see The Foreigner or we'll go see Kingsman or something because it's not, right. it's not gonna be three hours of sitting there. But otherwise, like, it has everything. People trust Denis at this point because everybody liked Arrival, obviously. Everybody loves Ryan Gosling. It's really pretty. The trailer is the best trailer ever. <laughs> I mean, it should, <laughs> it should have gotten people. I think the biggest problem is the lack of word of mouth. It had the, it has the opposite of the Get Out effect where Get Out was like people go see the movie and they go freak out to their friends at school yeah. and be like, this is most sincere. I'm imagining if people went and saw Blade Runner, they came back with fairly mixed or average emotions because they didn't know what to think about it. yeah and it probably didn't travel. And even I, who loved it, was kind of like, I don't know
0: how many other people are like me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and I mean, I, the net total of how much I liked it, I really did love it, but I loved it in spite of a lot of stuff, where if I'm recommending this movie to somebody, I would hesitate for most people, just because I, I would go just to look at, look at the colors in the movie and hear the <laughs> trumpet blast or whatever that horn sound that was for three hours. But anyway, and whether it. it's Christopher Nolan... Just raking in dough for every
0: movie he makes or not. My plea after Blade Runner is let Denny work, you know? Yeah, let him eat. Let him eat. Feed feed Denny. Quick quiz. You don't have a box office in front of you, do you? I have a box office
1: website in front of me.
0: All right, well, don't look at it. Okay. I want you to tell me what you think. This is a bit of an aside, but I'm fascinated sure. by this because I did not know this. What do you think the top five movies are in 2017? Grossing? Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm gonna say it for sure. I'm gonna say maybe Get Out, uh, Dunkirk. It is the only one you've gotten so far. Okay, that's fair. What else came out this year? Um, Sir Super, oh Wonder Woman. Yes. There are no great animated movies. Gosh, I don't know what else. What else? Well, There are no. It was not a great summer. Uh, Fast and Furious Eight. Uh, that is actually in eighth. In eighth. Yeah. Dang. And the highest rated
0: animated movie is the Lego Batman movie, which is 10th. Boss Baby is 12th. I don't know. What is what Boss is Baby? Boss Baby? Is that who, a thing? Who among you paid to see that movie? Thinking, <laughs> who that among you donated $175 million to Fox for that? <laughs> yeah. person, one of you did it. One
1: person did it. Uh,
0: Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man, yeah. There's one more okay. superhero movie in the top five.
1: Uh... Justice League?
0: No, that's and, not out yet. And
1: it's not Logan. Oh shoot. Okay, not Logan. Oh, is is there an X was there an X Men movie? No. No, but there was what a movie it?
0: with an X in it.
1: American History X, The Redux. <laughs> the Redux the next extra X. Guardians of the uh, Galaxy. Oh yeah, that's right. But that the
0: thing that the reason I bring this up is you will never guess what the number one movie of twenty seventeen is. Clearly. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> <laughs> the number one movie of twenty seventeen, which is grossing a hundred million dollars more than the second place movie which is wonder woman Uh, by the way it's it number five spider-man homecoming number four guardians number three wonder woman number two with 504 million dollars the number one grossing movie of 2017 is beauty and the beast
1: get the hell out of here are you serious i'm serious good for disney man just as shocked by
0: it as you are they need that they need that that jolt to their funds i'm sure it doesn't matter because as soon as star wars opens that's number one
1: yeah opening weekend
0: (laughs) it makes 500 million dollars opening weekend that would be unbelievable anyway we're here to talk about blade runner we talked about the original blade runner on the last podcast that we did for denise 2049 you can find it down in the feed somewhere and you know we broke down the is Deckard a replicant? is he not does it matter and You know, they get into that in this movie, so we'll talk about that a little bit. But the relevant facts for people to know, I think, are that for Denis Villeneuve, and we talked a little bit about this, Blade Runner, the original movie, is like a church for him. Like, it's one of the most influential movies of his life, apparently, and he was very excited to work on this. And he talked in an interview that I saw on YouTube, it was some Google interview that he did, and he said that, you know, we felt our chances of success were very narrow to, like, follow up on a movie that has such a cult following. And what was interesting, because when you watch this movie, it doesn't really feel like... uh, Although it integrates a lot of the original plot into it, it doesn't feel beholden to it in a way that, like, weighs it down, I don't think. No, it doesn't feel like a sequel. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it's ruined by the pressure of being a sequel. And the only thing that he really said about that was that they had to accept that the expectations from fans were going to be so ridiculous, like, you know, that they would show up with baseball bats in the theater if they didn't like it, that they just had to accept it and let themselves work. And he said, when you accept that, you are free. That's so Denis.
1: That was a pretty good impersonation.
0: Well, I've watched a lot of videos of him over the last couple months, so <laughs> yeah,
1: you really got to know him.
0: Yeah, I feel like I do know. He said that one of his conditions to doing the movie, as if he wouldn't have done it or something, was he wanted to meet Ridley Scott, the director of the original, before he worked on it. Died? Oh.
1: <laughs> Ridley Scott is 105 years old. I think we talked about this. <laughs>
0: and here's what was interesting to me. So he goes to get Gosling to do this movie, Ryan Gosling. Ah, yes. Not the other one.
1: Not not Brian Gosling.
0: And the first thing he tells him is, like Gosling says, so what? what is your Blade Runner about? Like, what makes it different? And the first thing he says is, in my Blade Runner, it snows. <laughs> that was it, I guess. He just, his idea was, and I heard him explain this a little bit, I'm from Canada, I know snow, therefore I wanted it to snow.
1: Yeah, and someone was like, hey, Denis, you know this is in Los Angeles, right? he said it's the only way i'm signing on to this movie Snow. so no.
0: Still, the reason i bring that up is because the climate and the feel of this movie are so visceral like it's it, yeah you could tell that it was something he really considered and weighed before making it because it works
1: it, it makes it a much colder movie a more almost like a ro- robotic movie like a very impersonal in a lot of ways but obviously personal in other ways I, it makes me wonder what he said when jared leto came up to him and said how are you doing this movie differently you might have <laughs> you, you might have read this
0: but do you know who he originally wanted to play the role of wallace
1: yeah it was, uh bowie right david Bowie. david right? bowie Gosh, can you imagine how great this movie, movie would have been, been. been that would have been awesome Oh, man. Because when Jared, when when Jared Leto takes the keys and does full Jared Leto, you're like, okay, we get it. You think you're weird. You want to be the Joker. That's all you care about. But when David Bowie gets the keys to do weird, you get labyrinth. You get full Bowie weird, and that would be awesome.
0: That Bowie is the, better. like, when Webster's was putting together the dictionary, they went to Bowie and they said, how would you like us to define weird? And he was like, let me, let me take let this. Let me show
1: you. And they spent 50 years on a career that was amazing and weird. <laughs>
0: But Leto and I mean, you know, he tried his mock version of weird. Like he told Fallon that he put in contacts that blinded him, like at the beginning of each day, and had to walk around set blind all the time, rather than just putting them in when they filmed their I scenes. Mean, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but ha, have you ever watched an interview with Jared Leto, like on a late night show?
1: No, I something I actively steer away from Why? he's
0: like a deeply weird person in like like he's a deeply awkward person if mm-hmm. you listen to his interview from the other room you would think oh he sounds pretty normal but if you go watch it on tv he's like leaning over the desk and like looking it, he's just very strange and like watching him talk to fallon and his wardrobe is weird and he, he's just weird whatever who cares yeah he's not the right he's not david bowie weird no but our language is limited. That's what we learned from Arrival, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this movie took 96 days to shoot, which Villeneuve obviously said was the longest he's ever been involved with. They did as much practical effects as they possibly could because Villeneuve famously does not like green screen and built a lot of the Arrival stuff. They built a lot of stuff in this, they too. Built like built a giant floating egg in the sky. <laughs> like Gosling's ship in this was actually a car that had, like, four-wheel drive, and they could—I don't know what the purpose of it being a car was. Maybe they just—I don't know. They haven't put out all the special features yet, obviously. But, you know, like, I saw interviews about Deacons asking for, like, hundreds of lights to be set up on certain sets so they could light it the way that he wanted. Like, how do you even—I mean, obviously years of being an Academy Award-winning cinematographer can lead you to a certain point, but how do you even look at a room and think, We need one light there, one light there, one light there, 70 lights there, 80, like, how do you even know? this thing lights (laughs) up, that thing lights up, yeah, I have no idea. Anyway, he's a genius, we'll talk about him. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have on this right now, because it's, you know, not out on Blu-ray yet or anything, but yeah, those are some of the facts, some of the fun facts and stuff about the movie, and I'm interested, before we get into sort of the feeling of it and the Plot at whatever extent we do,
1: yeah, to whatever degree we can. What
0: was most interesting to you about the practical production side of this?
1: The production side is is absolutely a thousand percent incredible. It's it's like a sensory overload. It's like doing drugs. Uh, it with the um, that I was mentioning this earlier. That like random horn blast that comes in every once in a while with the seriously overwhelming colors of this movie stark scenes uh really depressing but also enjoyable uh city that are all lights that i'm sure that's why it did so well in japan because like oh we live here but it's like a really insanely beautiful movie and obviously a lot of that goes to the way it's shot and the production the production value of that and the lack of cgi they don't make up a lot of stuff in this movie and I, I, as you were saying earlier so
0: you and i are both writers in some sense or another and i think yeah. that The soundtrack for this movie is one of the best. I'm gonna sit down and write something soundtracks that has come out in the last year, like because typically Mad Max is my go-to when I'm writing Fury Road. Obviously, Dunkirk is
1: mine, and I found it to be really, really stressful. What What is yours, Dunkirk? (laughs) It's like really stressful and fantastic, Mr. Fox. But
0: and I will say this is a really good one for that, like with all the horns and the weird sounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. I do think, and I I haven't listened to the arrival soundtrack enough to know, but there were parts of the soundtrack where I was like, that sound was in arrival. (laughs) Like, you know, like the big little bit of overlap. Yeah. Like the big, like, uh, Mm -hmm. like that sound seemed to make an appearance again in this, but it wasn't the same composer, but whatever. This time it was like Hans Zimmer and some guy. I can't remember.
1: It was Hans for this
0: one? Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was, uh, was
1: Johan for the other one.
0: Yeah, it was Johan Johansson for Arrival, and Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Wallfish. The fish. The, the fish. fish. He's, do you think he's the same fish from Maelstrom?
1: Oh my oh my gosh, it's full circle. That's what he was saying. <laughs> the fish that we couldn't understand was just saying, I can't wait to be the sound guy for Blade Runner 2049. He just kept saying it over and over again.
0: My favorite thing about the Denis 2049 series is that we have all these... Jokes now that are so specific that no one in the world can possibly get them. If you
1: want to understand it, (laughs) fun fact: Wallfish also did the Dunkirk soundtrack. Did he really by himself? Uh, No, he was on Variation fifteen. So I don't know what the heck that means. I don't know
0: anything about. Oh, that one was Hans Zimmer too, though. That's interesting. Um, That's probably like his little his buddy, his understudy or something. Wow! When you put in BNGA, his name is the first one that comes up.
1: J, J, J.A., it sorry. Knows that
0: you're, Interesting. He's done clean. more than 60 feature films. Right. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked on all kinds of things today. No, this is part of it. Yeah, you're right. And when I edit it, it won't sound like as long of a soundtrack as it is <laughs> yeah. in real life. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing I want to mention, too, is the shorts. The yes. Warner Brothers team put a bunch of shorts online that... According to what they tell you, I guess Denis commissioned some of his friends to make little short films. Yeah, if
1: you believe them, <laughs> made it seem like it was like a conspiracy or something.
0: Yeah, and they cover the time in between Blade Runner 2019 and Blade Runner 2049. So I'll run through them quickly just in order, I guess. Actually, I don't want to do them in order because the most interesting one is technically the first one. Yeah. So the first one I watched was 2036 Nexus Dawn and it basically is the backstory you didn't need on how Jared Leto started making his own replicants because after the blackout which there's also a short about which we'll talk about the government prohibited replicants because they were too dangerous and then you know Leto was like I made ones that obey and there's a little short about him proving they obey so to speak very extensively yeah very uh very extensively uh dramatically it gives you an idea of what the movie would have looked like if there was even more leto i guess anyway we'll talk about him more later i think uh the other one and now this is a movie i would have loved to see more of was 2048 nowhere to run and this was basically the direct setup to the opening scene of the movie that explains to you how dave batista's character was found and that one's pretty cool
1: that is cool i like that one i like small glasses with a little bit of humanity to him
0: hmm Love the glasses. He's out,
1: giving a book to a girl. What was the, what was the book he gave that girl? It was, like, it was a really on-the-nose Denis thing. I should have
0: written <laughs> it down. Hey, what's interesting, I've, I heard that Denis actually told Bautista he was too young for the role he wanted him to play because, you know, he had to be like a veteran of the blackout or whatever, and it's like 30 years later, but who cares? It worked out.
1: Yeah. He's seen well, a he's miracle. A, he's a replicant. How much is he going to age? Do replicants age? That's the question. Do they
0: reproduce is my question. Oh, that's the setup for the movie.
1: (laughs) Yep, and the ultimate truth behind it. Okay, hold on. I found the the power and the glory. (laughs) That was the book he gave the girl. Anyway, that one's good.
0: I wish I wrote down the filmmakers who made these shorts, but you can find it all on YouTube. Now, my favorite one, and I think your favorite also, was the one that came first in the timeline that really expanded on the blackout that destroyed every digital piece of anything that humanity had. And it was just called Blackout 2022. What was interesting about this short is it was anime.
1: Yeah, it was super cool, too. I didn't realize how much I liked anime until I saw this. If they're all like this, I might might get a new thing. Yeah, (laughs) I I think I've always,
0: like, I'm not an artist at all in a visual sense, like, you know, drawing. And I think I've always thought, like, I don't want to see the first draft of someone's drawings, you know? Sure. That's like
1: what anime looks like to me. But I get that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm certain it's not their first first draft.
0: But yeah, no, this was really cool. It's basically the plot that the replicants carry out to cause the blackout. It's like a rebellion. It's just a very nicely told short story with cool animation and honestly pretty cool action in it.
1: Yeah. It's fun. It's a good one so that was your favorite yeah it was definitely my favorite and it was the longest the other ones were kind of just like one scene we have these actors for 30 minutes after the movie we wrapped the movie or something and they wanted to make these little these little shorts but that one felt like it they put a lot of time into it and really thought about it and because each of the other ones are kind of one thing. things the, the jared leto one is like the whole thing is that punchline where the where the uh, well, I mean, i'm gonna spoil it the whole thing is a punchline where he's like, we want to end up showing that the replicants are so obedient that they'll cut their own throat if we tell them to. It's right. like, okay, you could have just told me that. You know? By the way,
0: how much did that guy look like Leo from Twin Peaks? <sighs> Sorry, you might have watched <laughs> it a while ago. I watched <laughs> it today. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway, god, I literally so thought for a second I was like, oh my god, it's it's Leo, but like, you know, he's probably aged a lot in the last twenty-five years, so it can't possibly be him. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty much all the stuff surrounding the movie and production and everything and obviously we'll talk more about production now but let's get into it you know just on an emotional on an existential Mm -hmm, level man mm -hmm. I saw this movie probably about a month ago from when we recorded it or from when we were recording now and Mm -hmm. we were talking about this a little bit in the intro like that the plot is sort of whatever and we can talk about that to whatever extent we want but four weeks out from seeing it The things that stick with me in this movie are some of the shots that are created and the emotions that they evoke and sort of just some of the unspeakable moments that it creates and indescribable in the sense that it just kind of strikes a chord on an emotional existential level in a way that only makes sense in a movie like this, in the way that it's Filmed. I don't even know how to really properly explain this. Do you know what I'm sort give me of driving at?
1: Give me, yeah, kind of. But, like, tell me what you're...
0: Give me an example. <sighs> like, I guess I'll just get to my favorite part. The, there's a moment where Gosling is trying to figure out whether his memories are his or not, whether they're real or not. And the crux of the movie is that he might be, like, this Chosen One-style replicant who was actually born from harrison ford's relationship with the replicant in the first movie and spoiler turns out to not be true harrison ford's what's her name rachel harrison ford and rachel's kid turns out to be the daughter who creates memories in her little box but there's a moment where he goes to visit that girl to try to find out if his memories are real and she tells him someone lived this yes and it's this whole thing about him Throwing a horse in a fire or something—I
1: don't really care. It's a—it's a for Peta listening. It's a fake horse. It's a wooden <laughs> yeah. horse. yeah, don't go after our boy Dani Peta. Yeah, but He's, no horses were thrown
0: into fires in this movie. In this moment, he and here's what I'm trying to say. In this moment, he realizes that he exists and has a soul, right? And. Right. He screams like this primal scream where you just kind of see someone realizing that they're trapped in their body in a way that they couldn't ever possibly control or explain. And the reason I bring it up is because like everything I'm saying about it is not communicated in the plot or in any overt way, really. It just sort of comes across in his performance and in the feeling that that moment conveys, does that make any sense? I feel like I'm talking out of my ass, but
1: yeah, you um, might be, but it kind of makes sense.
0: Like it just reminded me of sort of when you're a kid and you're like, wait, I'm going to die, you know? (laughs) Like, and the fact that a movie like this could make me think about moments like that was overwhelming. That, that scene in particular knocked me out of my seat, you know?
1: Yeah, and it is almost like an innocent, like, in the way that a child realizes it, because he's kind of a robot. <laughs> he's almost innocent in the way that he realizes things in this. Uh, and speaking of Gosling's performance, he plays a robot pretty well. I mean, he basically played one in Drive. But he's really nailed his, his little area of expertise, just smoldering at things and looking at things coldly and talking slowly and controlled. I, I, I like that. I like that about him. He <laughs> should stick to that kind of stuff. Well, I do think that's it's it's sort of an interesting thing, because you got to... I think that there's different mileage for people and how far you can go into the question of how much should we care about robots in TV and movies where Westworld is, to me, a monumental failure because I don't care at all. and I, would, it's just, I I've, would be hard-pressed to find anyone that really cares about any of the characters because they're hard and fast robots and they show that regularly. People die... The re- robots die regularly in that show. But they still pose that same question is, are robots people too, basically, with various tricks and traps and stuff. But I feel like that is kind of the same idea for this movie, but has a completely different effect where, like, I feel bad for Joy, the home robot, who is just a servant, I guess, but also completely like loving and totally obedient to her. And this is exactly how she's designed. She's supposed to be like more human than human for, I mean, not for her specifically, not for her product or whatever, but like, I find myself feeling bad for her and that she's homebound and dies. Like I almost, I almost shed an emotion when she quote unquote dies in the movie, even
0: though it's set up in a very predictable way.
1: Yes, exactly. Where she's like, he's like, you know, as soon as you go in the stick, you can die. I'm like, yeah. okay so she's gonna die yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what you're
0: telling me. but you know what the difference is between this and something like Westworld like
1: in an, uh, in the interview
0: I watched with Villeneuve he, he was asked oh do you think Deckard is a replicant or blah 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 and he was like you know what I love the question but the answer is not that interesting to me and when you compare Westworld and something like Blade Runner I think that's what the difference is Westworld is like we have the answers just wait till you find out the answer and Blade Runner's like this question is going to make you reconsider everything, you know, like they're more interested in not whether the robot is a human, but what it says about us that we treat them like they're not or
1: you know what I mean? Right. Like The question is, should it matter whether they're a human or not? Like, should we treat them any less differently just because they're not human? Should we value them any less or any differently if they're human or not? Should we call them skin
0: jobs or should we, like... Right, and, like, history repeats itself. So if you presume that Blade Runner
1: 2049
0: takes place in some form of our universe, like, we're basically enslaving human-like creatures, like, a couple hundred years after we enslaved actual humans. Yes. So it's like we're trying to find a way to... Unguilt guilt ourself like oh no it's fine they're not humans i don't know there's all kinds of interesting stuff about it but yeah like to me it's like you're talking about like realizing that like joy realizing that her life can end and not knowing what that means and gosling realizing that he his life might matter and that he might have a soul like the stuff like that is so interesting to me
1: yeah it's this self-awareness and this fear and emotion that is not traditionally attributed to robots that makes it obviously more human and more like we should care about them more
0: yeah like batista has the line at the beginning where he says oh you you new models are happy scraping the shit because you've never seen a miracle and obviously the miracle he saw is that rachel gave birth yes and i don't know do you think gosling sees a miracle in this movie what would his miracle be
1: well he sees the he sees the girl, the product. He sees the miracle, the now, the incarnation of that miracle. So I guess that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess, although
0: he thinks it's him for a long
1: period of the movie. Which he he, yeah, he kind of rushed into that one. He basically took the advice of his
0: home robot. Yeah, that was interesting. We should talk about that a little bit, because the first experience of watching the movie, the first hour or so, it was like, okay, Gosling is the kid. like. Denis doesn't usually do twists that are this obvious. And I don't know if you were on that track like I was, but you know it obviously made See, me surprised.
1: I actually had... I actually... And I'm not I'm not good at guessing movies, but this one, when I saw the kids had shaved heads in the orphanage, I think we might have talked about this, but when I saw the kids had shaved heads in the orphanage, I, the first thing I thought of was the Bane orphanage in Batman 3. <laughs> where you're supposed to think that that damn orphan is Bane, but it turns out to be... Marion Cotillard or whatever. And I thought that's a girl. That hat. That's gonna be a girl. That's that. And then, I, but I thought it was gonna be like Mackenzie Davis or something. Oh. Um. So it being the girl, it ended up being Bubble Girl, which is different. But I. Bubble Girl. But like the fact that he, because there's this big scene where he goes to that landfill orphanage and he finds the. A long scene. A long scene. Yeah. Best so action scene probably. Yeah, it's a pretty. Oh, when the when everybody gets zapped from above. By yeah. Andrew, right? Andrew, yeah, that's awesome. But he goes to that seriously mismanaged and the government really and needs to intervene at that orphanage, orphanage. Um, and he finds the, the horse in the ashes or whatever. He's like, oh, so it is a real dream. I am the child or whatever. But like, we knew it was a real dream. That's no, there's no revelation there. The girl told him, it was a real dream. And we've known that real dreams can exist. Well, but didn't she tell him that after dream. that scene? Didn't he go back and. Probably. I don't remember. <laughs> I think.
0: I, I'm pretty sure that took place before. But,
1: but this world has long, long since posited that memories can be real. They're just not yours. Right. And so to me, I was like, he should know that. All that means is that there's a memory planted inside of him. But it it, it would still be a pretty chilling experience to find the, the horse when you assume that all your memories, <coughs> all your memories are fake. Right. Yeah. Because she pretty much just says, "Yes, it's
0: real," and he's like, "Oh, well, if it's real, then it's mine." Then it's mine. <laughs> he's like, "Ah, pump the brakes, that's Not necessarily the case. Uh, yeah, and it was interesting. I think. Well, I do think that. Okay, so I think that's so, uh, the reason the hard. reason here. Okay, so the the reason I bring that up is. The experience of watching this movie is altered significantly by the twist, I think, Uh, because for the first hour, you feel like they're just dragging it out. Like, obviously, this is going to be Gosling. But I felt like when I saw it the second time, not having that hang over it made it a lot more enjoyable.
1: Well, that's kind of the thing where you're like, how much will it matter to me if he is the kid? And to me, I decided early on, like, it's not going to matter that much. He's still going to be a robot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I didn't really care
0: what happened at any point because I was just right. so in. Entranced, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like the the sound design and the visual design and production design is so ridiculous yeah. that like yeah. it doesn't really matter what's happening.
1: We're, yeah, we're not saying there's no like story here. There's a bunch of great little stories that aren't told via the plot, basically. The world is great, too. I think a
0: lot of the societal yeah. stuff that they sort of allude to is much better done than the first
1: movie. Yes, I would say just about everything is better done than the first movie. Yeah, As somebody who didn't grow up obsessed with the original Blade, <laughs> and I watched this, these two within like two months of each other. I liked everything about the new one better. I think I, I'm probably I with you. I was going to ask you that at the end, but I, I think uh, this one is way more enjoyable to me. Yeah, um, and well, that and that's the thing. Like the first one had. Is, is kind of the same idea. It's just 30 years earlier where it's like the story is the story or the plot is the plot or whatever and it's fine. But there are moments to this. There are elements to this. There's a world here that is amazing. It's revolutionary. It's genius. It's movie genius and there are aspects of it that are completely genius. But overall, it's like fine. This movie is that but on drugs. It's like way blown out the parts that are amazing are even more amazing <laughs> and like the i was the plot is even more fine
0: <laughs> like we're talking about the experience of actually seeing it in the theater like <laughs> i think that people that i saw this movie with and i don't mean like my friends just like people who were in the theater right thought that they were seeing more of an action movie than they were which is in their defense that's fair the it trailer was like vague so yeah. you can't totally blame them but I think I saw two groups of like a couple and like a group of three or something literally just walk out during the movie and not come back. And yeah, what's that's almost cool to me because it's not like you're talking about Wolf of Wall Street or something where like there's just tons of like drugs and stuff going on and people just leaving because they think it's gross.
1: Is an experience I had because I saw that movie with my parents on Christmas Eve <laughs> one year, and they literally got up and walked out. I think it was when he was snorting cocaine off of the strippers, but
0: I think that was the first scene.
1: I think it was the first. <laughs> it was not long before they walked out. Did you stay? Yeah, I stayed. Yeah, no, I that... stayed like an hour after them, so it was probably it was probably halfway through the movie. It's probably the Jonah Hill scene at that at that pool party. <laughs> um what a movie anyway yeah this is a different kind of thing and to get people to
0: walk out during blade runner is to say like <laughs> i'm gonna make this as weird as i
1: possibly can and i don't know if you're gonna want to deal with it or not like or just like or he's saying like this is gonna be my thing because it's really not that much of a it's not really at all a departure from any Denis movie if people had done their research with this podcast like they should have before seeing this movie then this is exactly in step. Yeah, come on, Great Warner Brothers, to, hit
0: us, to us to up next upward. time.
1: Yeah, we would definitely we, would, we wouldn't be getting more people to the theaters. But we were getting we'd be getting the right people. That's
0: what I think.
1: Yeah, the right people. The right be I like do, people. The I do people. I do think
0: that it's it's one of those things where more people should have seen this, but I also don't begrudge people for not being into this. But like for example, let's talk about it. Mackenzie Davis comes and in her cool hat with Anna Day armis i think Anna De Armas, yeah. and she's like all right remember that scene in her where have you seen her yeah if people haven't seen her there's a scene where joaquin phoenix is tired of just talking to scarlett johansson his computer ai thing and he wants her to be embodied so he hires the blonde girl from mr robot to come in and act like the body and they basically do that here where mackenzie davis comes in and embodies the hologram of joy and like you Know, has like a romantic thing with Gosling. What's interesting is the scene feels like it's 30 minutes long, but I think they only like kiss for like five seconds. But the scene is like forever,
1: yes, it's just a crap ton of double exposure of hands on the back of Gosling's head. <laughs> and and try it's that it's really kind of funny because it's them like trying to be in step with each other, and it's like like it's like she's wearing a weird suit or something. That was
0: arguably my favorite scene of the movie that was unbelievable i was just like it
1: was pretty interesting
0: especially because the longer it went on i was like i can't believe this is in a major motion picture
1: (laughs) well yeah because like it's fairly art house thing to do we we got the idea of what was going on in a more expedient movie they could have sent the exact same message plot wise in a matter of five seconds of just like now i'm locked in boom next scene they've had sex but this is like we want you to experience this with us we want you to sit through this I actually
0: was just a fan in general of all the joy scenes, like the first one where she walks out and changes clothes like three times and Mm -hmm. then they go out in the rain. Like that was just some next level visual effects work that I can't even imagine how that happened.
1: That was like the fun side of this, where where they kind of got to play with the technology of the future a little bit and be like, this is what can happen. This is the kind of
0: Siri that we can have in the future, (laughs) basically. God, there's so much in the movie. We we haven't even really touched on, what, 90% of this. But
1: I know, we haven't even gotten into Dave Bautista Worm Farmer yet.
0: <laughs> what do you want to say about Dave Bautista Worm Farmer? I could watch farm.
1: that movie all damn day. <laughs> Dave Bautista Worm Farming, the movie, would be awesome. That was a great scene. I'm That's in. all I have to say. I'm in. I, I, God, it's just
0: everything happens in this movie, you know? I don't even know... Like, I guess we should talk about Harrison Ford because the action scenes, although they are few and far between, are pretty cool. There's the mm-hmm. scene that I just talked about at the dump yard. Dump yard? Junk yard? I don't know. Landfill. Landfill. There's the scene at the end, which was oh, the sinking ship, confusing kind of. geographically. I didn't really understand how they were drowning because I thought they were on a water... It didn't really make sense, but it was cool. And the bad girl is bad girl, the villain villain. (laughs) is pretty cool uh, and does some pretty awesome things where she just like grabs people with her legs and like kills them. But
1: (laughs) which is interesting because she's kind of the, and I'm just not thinking about this. She's kind of the anti Rachel from the first movie. She has the same job, but she's the complete opposite.
0: How about the fact that her name is love and the AI thing's name is joy. And it's (laughs) like
1: real creative in the future. (laughs) And
0: it's like, (laughs) Yeah, it's like, love killed Gosling's joy, I think, is how you would say it. And then... Oh, okay. Is that the kind of thing they're going for? I don't know. And, and then Gosling had to drown love? Question mark? Anyway. Did you think, by the way, when he drowned her, that he they intentionally made his blurred face in the water look like Rutger Hauer from the first movie, or was that just me?
1: That I...
0: Could not even tell you.
1: <laughs> I'm sure if I if you showed me that scene again, maybe. But it was like an extended shot, like a long... It was a decent amount of time. Anyway, the fight with Harrison Ford is what I wanted to bring up, because I thought... That was or yeah, the uh, the one in the Vegas... Casino room. or something, yeah. Cas- yeah, whatever the heck that was. That was yeah, cool. That was awesome.
0: Because movies have been trying for a couple of years now, this thing where they just put an action scene over... A famous song or something instead of you know Han Zimmer, like they'll be like, but what if we put Bell Bottoms and just make that the whole action scene? And for this one, they did uh, Elvis, and it was cool because it just kept flashing on instead of sort of playing over, and then the strobe yeah, lights was, and everything. That, I, that was gave me epilepsy. That whole experience. <laughs> did you know that during one of their takes, Harrison Ford actually punched
1: Ryan Gosling? If you had said in every take, he actually punched Ryan Gosling, I said, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's literally so
0: much this movie that I feel like we only have
1: time to just brush
0: over each thing that was interesting. But I do
1: want to talk about this part because I really like this part. This is a very this is why this movie needs to be in theaters. This is why this movie needs to be broadcasted to the world, because this is how you should make action sequences. This is like. It's in it's its own unique scene. There's actual drama, there's intent intent it's not like a space filler where like we need this to be action, we need this to be to kill time or be space or whatever those movies like those action scenes exist in in pretty good movies like fast and furious where where you just are like this is just gonna be action don't overthink it stuff's blown up that's what you came to see don't pretend like it's anything it's not that's fine but in action movies that want to take themselves i guess seriously or movies that do want to take themselves seriously and use action scenes this is like the way to do it try i mean <laughs> it's not a formula you, you <laughs> can't just put a, a hologram of elvis and do flashing strobe lights and it will be perfect but like them spending a lot of time and and sitting in that scene because it's kind of a long sequence those that whole fight
0: every sequence
1: could be considered a long considered a long one yeah (laughs) but i don't know i think that movie more movies should strive to be to have these types of action sequences though i do i did really like the bell bottom scene from baby driver
0: (laughs) oh by the way i didn't think of this until today because i saw somebody tweeting about it kevin spacey has obviously had a a week full of... Uh, you didn't
1: want to say rough?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say... I didn't want to make it sound like it was something that you was happening to it. him. You know, yeah, like yeah, it's something yeah. he's wrought, I think. But there's been a lot of sexual assault allegations. And to suffice it to say, it's a weird look now for there to be a movie where he's holding a kid hostage and calls him baby repeatedly. Sure,
1: yeah.
0: Fun movie, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you're right. I think that... Not only is that how you do an action scene, I think there's a lesson to be had. I don't think everyone should make three hour movies, but no. I think there's a lesson to be had for taking your time on a visual level like it's not like they overdid like exposition or something, you know' no. Cause, like right. people always talk about, oh, you can make it shorter because you don't need this to explain this, but when they're literally just doing it visually, like you should take more time to work sometimes.
1: Yeah, you should make a world that you want to hang out in and then... Like actually hang out in the world, spend time at these. I think that a lot of movies brush by a lot of stuff, and then they just take forever because they cram a lot of stuff into things. I think good movies should take to make movies better. I think a lot of action movies or whatever would be better if you took stuff out of it and dwelt on little things more. Oh yeah, the little
0: things are always the most interesting things, right? right. Like right. the PTSD test that Gosling goes and does after he comes back in from the field. Like I don't know what that meant, yeah. but that was I don't super know. interesting. I
1: that thing, I'll tell you that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, like, the stuff with Joy at his apartment with her just, like, making him dinner. And, like, all that stuff is so much more interesting than whether the baby is real or not or whatever. Right. That's what was great about this movie. And, you know, not to wrap everything up right now, but I'm I'm just I'm glad it exists, you know? Yeah, me too. I'm interested. We've put it off for this long. I mean, we talked a little bit about it during the short, but... <sighs> What movie do you think Jared Leto thought he was in? Jared Leto thought he was doing an on-screen
1: audition again for the next Joker movie. But like a blind, calm Joker? <laughs> they said, this time you're going to play a blind, calm Joker who's created a bunch of robots. And he said, let me, get, let me do it. Give me the keys. I thought they did a good job
0: leaving him out of the movie as much as possible. Yeah, yeah
1: my it. question is was were those was this a really good 2 hour and 59 minute movie that they were just like oh, we have to get rid of a lot of Leto. I don't know. He he just he goes
0: over the line that I literally was just talking about of like over explaining and trying too hard to make the existential literal. You know, mm-hmm. like it works so much better in so many other places in this movie and not well with him,
1: but he he's does fine. He's not he's not out and out bad. Well, here's the thing. Why is he? Why is he all the way bad? I mean, not like bad, like like bad as in typical Jared Leto, but bad as an evil. Why is he evil?
0: I think what you're saying is tell me one thing about his character. Well, and that's
1: the thing. His character is one thing. Yeah. He's just like an evil, weird, bad guy. Yeah, like, there's Wallace. What or what? Who's, yeah. It, was the first guy He was just like a really smart guy with not a lot of emotions or sensitivity who liked to play chess. Jared Leto is like, I'm going to use this power to have it. Yeah. Honestly, his assistant something. who like walked
0: Gosling back through the file thing was more interesting than he was. Yeah. You, you know what I did find interesting? Speaking of the stars, I guess. Harrison Ford, when he was in Star Wars Episode 7, it seemed like he somewhere in his contract was like, can you please kill me in this movie? I do not want to be in Star Wars anymore. And I really thought that we would have a similar thing here where he's like, I don't care about this movie from 25 years ago. But he seems so engaged in this movie. so much more into it. Yeah, he was so into it. And he like didn't die either. Like the ending is about him. Yeah. So the new one is going to be more Harrison Ford. Have you heard all the theories, by the way, that Gosling is just, like, part of Harrison Ford's imagination or something?
1: Yeah.
0: That, like, his daughter is, like, actively creating his memories or something? Like, because I guess it's like the first Blade Runner where there's almost no evidence, but there's also no evidence against it. Like, I guess at the end when he comes in, she's making snow in her room. And right before that, Gosling was out in the snow so you're like, oh, she's creating this. I, I don't know. It, it's sort of confusing. Yeah,
1: I get it. But then, like, why everything else? Yeah. Why does Gosling go to the Batista's house? Why does he hang out? Why does he do all this crap with the lieutenant general or whatever her name is? Robin Wright's character. <laughs> why, like, why does he do everything that he does other than just go see? Basically, like, why
0: does support? this entire movie happen? Yeah.
1: It's a fun theory, but it seems like more of a, oh, I bet it's cold outside. I'm going to make snow. Kind of thing. So overall, you Blade
0: Runner versus Blade Runner twenty forty nine you're you're firmly in twenty forty nine. Twenty
1: forty nine camp for
0: sure. All day. Now, is I this a movie you trailer. like buy on Blu ray or like buy on Blu ray or where are
1: you at with this? Yeah, I'd watch it again for sure. Would I own it? Maybe. <laughs> the thing is, it's such a it was such a singular experience in IMAX. I can't get off of this. Everybody, okay, it costs twenty three dollars to go to see an IMAX. movie. That's just the that's just the that's a lot in life. We live in America, in the twenty first century. Here's the thing. It is the nuttiest experience seeing things in IMAX. You feel every sound in your chest. The colors are so much stronger. It's just a better movie in IMAX. I wish I could go back in time and watch other movies in IMAX. I wish I could go back and watch Arrival in IMAX.
0: I will personally campaign for this movie to win the Oscar for Best Cinematography, if that's what it takes. What else would get it? I don't even know. I mean, we haven't really hit that part of the year where everybody starts talking about that stuff. but like it's unbelievable the the way
1: this movie is filmed is like yeah i want to like how does he see the world i don't even understand it all right yeah what does he if you were gonna walk in my house what would he what is what 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 colors are he seeing that i'm not seeing
0: yeah can you imagine like you just live a normal day and roger deakins follows you around and films your day and then at the end of the day or you know give him however long it takes he gives you the film and he's like this is what your life looks... Is he... I even... Is he American? <laughs> Probably. have <laughs> a... Yeah. It's like, this is yeah. what your life looks like to me. <laughs> yeah. And you watch it and you're just like, what the I hell? I wish. I
1: wish that was my life. <laughs> if we're talking about Deacons, which we are, because he's great. The Man is prolific. Uh, let me just do a quick rundown of his cinematography really quick. Go for it. This is crazy. Okay. Uh, Blade Runner. Hail Caesar. Sicario. Prisoners. Skyfall. True Grit. Uh, I'm skipping bad ones, so... No Country (laughs) for Old Men, Uh, Beautiful Mind, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Big Lebowski, uh, I'm going to skip most of the 90s here, 1984, which I'm sure was a good movie, it's just like a lot of stuff, <laughs> it's just, a- <laughs> the man and was everything great. was so, like, practical too, like, everything was so,
0: you could tell that they worked to yes. make everything real, like, mm-hmm. it just felt like a world, like, you, like, you were saying, I wanted to go visit it, even though it was, like, a dystopian place, I was like, I want to go
1: there. I, I want to keep watching it, I want to keep, like, and, and I feel like every five seconds, if you just took a screenshot of what was on, on the screen, I would, want that as a poster. In my right. Opinion. Yeah,
0: it's unbelievable. And plus they had seven, uh, at least in the credits, I counted seven visual effects companies working on this movie. I imagine they had like one for Joy, one for... Yes. Oh, yeah. Like one, one
1: for... One for uh, the giant robot. That was a really interesting part. The pink robot or whatever. Where oh yeah. It's kind of a like there's a degree of artificial intelligence in this where it's like it's almost tiered. Where, like Joy is almost a lesser artificial intelligence because even Gosling, who is a robot, completely like forgets about Joy when the giant pink robot leans down and calls him Joe because he's like and then you see and of course throughout the movie you see billboards advertising Joy and it's the same exact face everywhere and he kind of like cuts i guess like it, he almost like cuts mental it's what it seems like to me cuts ties with joy in that moment where he's like oh they're all the same or See, even or this robot has such sentience and emotion that he's even ab- he's even looking down on, on other robots
0: that's interesting because i didn't quite think of that that way
1: i kind of thought
0: of it where when he saw joy die he felt like she actually had developed into someone you know like where that was his miracle that inspired him to, like, get back into the game and go for it. But I don't know. I, she's sort of an ambiguous character in that way. I feel like you can kind of look at her role a couple yeah. different ways. Yeah, man. I Like I said, this movie is three hours long, so we could pick apart parts of it forever. But we've pretty much covered all of the stuff that was most interesting to us, right? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's good. I, I'm interested. So, previously on Denis 2049... We broke down our overall rankings. I think I'll, I'll read it back yes. to you here. We had Maelstrom last, August 32nd, second to last, uh, Incendies, third to last, which would be sixth overall. And then top five we had Arrival number one, Prisoners number two, Enemy number three, Sicardo number four, Polytechnique number five. Where do you think this movie would fall?
1: I would put it above. I'm gonna put it at two, and this is gonna change overnight. Because I've like I've liked the movie more and more since I've left. Yeah. It's sort of like the radiation is like setting in with my skin, and I can I can feel myself getting poisoned by this movie. But right now, Arrival is
0: just so complete to me. Arrival's I mean a borderline perfect movie.
1: Yes, and Prisoners is in the same way a very good package. But I think the highs of Blade Runner are so much higher than the highs of Prisoners. Yeah. Even though the lows are lower, that'll put it above Prisoners. But it, I think that Arrival has those highs and it has that those sort of Kubrickian, Kubrickian, Stanley Kubrick-esque whatever moments to it that are like this is exactly what movies are supposed to be. And I think that that is what makes it his probably his masterpiece at this point. I think I'm with you actually. I think that
0: I think that Denis is like made to make sci-fi movies because sci-fi movies investigate, you know, these existential questions in a way that other movies aren't really built to do on the, in the way that they do. And he understands how to hold back on that in the way that we were talking about before comparing it to Westworld. And like, like you said, the lows of this one are arguably lower than any point of prisoners, but it's sort of the interstellar argument of like, he swung for the fences so much in this one that the moments that work are so good. Mm-hmm. that I'm probably with you. Because like, like Arrival, everything holds together pretty perfectly. Yeah. Outside of a swings couple he hard on that one, too. Yeah. But that one just connected more. And yeah. those are probably the top two, I would say. So, yeah. I and think I'm, I'm sure
1: I'm going to see, yeah.
0: I think I'm with you. I, mean,
1: I may you. see Blade Runner again and, and make it number one, but
0: as it stands. That would be crazy, yeah. I, I think Arrival's probably pretty solid for me, but...
1: Yeah, just the way I felt leaving Arrival was I walked up wanting to turn around and go back and watch it again because I thought it was the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I did not have the same experience with Blade Runner, but the moments I had in Blade Runner were, were really, really strong. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll put it number two.
0: I will say, too, his next movie is supposed to be another sci-fi movie, so...
1: Man, I'm totally in on that.
0: Get ready. We'll be back. It's that. supposed to be Dune. David Lynch's Dune, which I have never I, I, seen.
1: Oh, man, I really hope I assume so. it's well, about... It's not David Lynch's Dune. Isn't it? Well, it's he made one. Oh, are there multiple? The no, it's based on the book by Frank Herbert. oh huh. And he made and so David Lynch got one in 84, 1984, and then people were like, uh this is too David Lynch for us. But Dune is like it's like really famous sci-fi book. You know what I love
0: about one-word titles? I have no idea what they mean. Yeah. I, I couldn't even begin it to guess. Is person's
1: name? Is it like a, a cavern in the sand?
0: Yeah. is. Uh, I, I ass- thought it was
1: Doom for the longest time.
0: I assume I it, it takes place in the desert. Here's the
1: IMDb synopsis. A duke's son leads desert warriors against the Galactic Emperor and his father's evil nemesis when they assassinate his father and free their desert world from the Emperor's rule. It's basically Lion King.
0: I honestly lost you after like two words there. <laughs> it was like too much plot. <laughs> it's really
1: Kyle McLaughlin's in the original.
0: Oh man. Kyle McLaughlin. Go back. Listen to our top 10 TV characters episode. I left that up here too. So great. That's a good oh, one. We have to do a top 10 uh, TV shows of the year. Oh man. I don't know if I've watched 10 TV shows this
1: year. (laughs) (laughs) It's a slow year. I
0: have a lot to watch. I know. You should see my list of TV shows. It has probably 40 shows on it that have entire seasons that I have not watched. It's been a tough year to keep up with TV.
1: Is American Vandal on that list? (laughs) Because that show is hilarious. It's great. It's such a great show. I have not watched that yet. It's a true crime show that is fake, but it's better than true crime it's just regular crime we'll talk about tv
0: later we'll talk about Denis later whenever he comes back but for now we have finished Denis 2049 how do you feel i feel really good would
1: i have felt better if we did guillermo del toro
0: god you will never let this
1: go (laughs) i really wanted to do guy Ritchie, and he was the first person eliminated so (laughs) i was fine with whatever we did after that
0: I, I kind of can't believe we made it this far. You know, it took I us a little while to get around did. to it. You had some you said we were some stuff it. come up, but we're here.
1: Yeah. Some stuff, yeah. <laughs>
0: we're, we're in the future, and it's just as colorful as we imagined.
1: I have nothing to add. I assume <laughs> Levi is almost done playing his guitar. Oh, I cut Levi from the show. Did I tell you that? No, what the heck?
0: Yeah, now that I got that the new logo and everything. It's
1: that I don't listen to the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean... What can you say? Survivor is a niche market. Sure. Yeah, Levi, obviously no offense to him. But when we came up with the new logo, the Foxworthy podcast theme song didn't really make any sense. Sure, We're working so we'll on it. We'll use for the music. We'll have new music. There might not even be music on this one. Maybe I'll edit in some Blade Runner music in this one. Listen,
1: line. man, I learned how to use GarageBand when I put together my demo reel because I didn't think that you were allowed to use anybody else's music. I made a pretty sick beat. <laughs> <laughs> I can lend it to the pod if we really need it. <laughs> oh, man. We'll see. We'll check on it out. island. O-T-I.
0: All right, well, thanks for joining us on the island for Deni 2049, and on thank you, island. Sam, for coming through all We're of this with all
1: the me. here to Deni Island.
0: Yeah, Deni Island. We have spent a lot of time here, and I guess
1: we'll have to go back to shore. I kind of want to stay, you know? Yeah, camp out, set up a nice orphanage in the landfill, <laughs> maybe farm some worms, make some silk. I have
0: a feeling if Dave Bautista was on this island with us, you would never leave.
1: I have too many questions. <laughs> about the, the harvesting and planting and sowing of worm seeds we never should have killed them all right all right i guess that's it i didn't
0: write a big monologue to say goodbye because this isn't goodbye denis is just getting started right we'll be back see you in 30 years denis. <laughs> yeah see you for blade runner 2079 all right goodbye everyone thanks for following along and I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I hope you enjoyed the movies. Go see it if you haven't. Blade Runner 2049. It is pretty
1: great. Bye. Bye.